Thanks for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist. Join me as I seek out the small incremental changes being applied in other industries that we can learn from and that can be applied in healthcare. Can these changes bring immediate value, but also add up to the big improvements and revolution we need in healthcare? Come along with me to explore the possibilities. My innovative guests from around the globe have used small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. And today, I'm delighted to be joined by Luis Mendiola. He is the Director of Provider Partnerships at MedArrive. Luis, thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for uh, having me today. Really looking forward to this conversation. So if you would, as I do with all my guests, I think it's always important to get the origin story. Tell us about your journey to this point and, and how you arrived here, if you would. Absolutely. You know, a lot of coincidences and a little bit of luck along the way. But um, I grew up in a small rural community in northern Nevada uh, named Winnemucca. And when I was 18, I got was fascinated with the work that the local ambulance service was doing and, and became an EMT at 18 and was really lucky to work with a great CEO, that hospital based ambulance service and a, an amazing um, EMS director in chief. And we were doing a lot of um, you know, kind of emerging and innovative work around um, you know community paramedicine, as we call it, or mobile integrated healthcare. And in a rural community, uh, with limited providers and physicians, um, EMTs and paramedics and nurses and medical assistants, you know, they're, they're kind of the first uh, line of defense for the community. And, and a lot of people come with questions. And so we were really trying to build out the CP program, um, as, as we call it, or community paramedicine program. And so worked with that team for 10 years, did a lot of amazing work out in that rural community. And then I moved in and started working with REMSA, which is the Air and Ground Ambulance Service in Reno, Nevada, that had received a $10 million grant, a part of the Affordable Care Act, um, to, to study how can uh, EMS systems better provide care to um, you know, patients in more of a metropolitan area. And so did some work around provider partnerships and pair partnerships with that. Uh, spent a little bit of time in Bozeman, Montana, as a service line director for the health system up there, overseeing the telehealth program and received an inbound um, call from Ina Plum, our most amazing um, COO now. She was working as part of Redesign Health, the inc healthcare incubator that we came out of. Um, and she had questions about community paramedicine and, and how could you foster and, and develop care models and power those care models into the home by using paramedics EMTs. So that started a, a conversation which evolved into um, an advisorship for about two and a half years. And I've been full time in this position for over a year now at MetaRive, where I, um, you know, work on operations teams, oversee our network of field providers, which are primarily paramedics, a few EMTs, nurses, and social workers, um, and work on on that team powering the care delivery models that we're so excited about at MetaRive. So, I, as always, it's really cool to uh, to hear that sort of background, and particularly, um, you know, first of all, what, what a great name! Where did you Where did you grow up? Winnemucca. I love that. I just think that's a really cool place to have come from, and uh, to be able to talk about, and that rural component that obviously shapes your sort of insight and understanding. And, and, you know, the other thing that strikes me about this is, you know, here we are again, Redesign Health is is really doing an amazing job of incubating companies. This is now the second one. I interviewed uh, Adam from uh, Jasper, which is another one of the redesign companies. They've really, I think, worked out a 
a great model to sort of help nurture these startups that quite often struggle, not because the idea is not good, but because it's a difficult process. And obviously, that's been, you know, extremely positive. So I, I think it's important to understand a little bit of what it is that you do at this point. Um, tell us a little bit about MetaRive and what, what they're doing um, at the moment. Yeah, so you know, I, I would tell the audience, take yourself back to March of 2020, April of 2020. We see, you know, COVID. Hold on a second. I'm saying you're saying go back and relive this? What what is wrong with you, Lewis? What is wrong with you? Hey, hey, uh, a paramedic and EMT, you know, we, we always have a little <laughs> bit of a flawed view of, of the world, I guess you could say. But you know, we see this explosion of telehealth. Everybody's doing telehealth. Um, you're able to connect with your physician on Zoom, on FaceTime. I think that they were even allowing Facebook Messenger telehealth visits. Yes, they were. That's right. And and what we we realize is is that you know for so long we've been fun we've been focused in healthcare delivery on the technology and the gadgets and the hardware, but really we had evolved to where we could do virtual visits anywhere with with the devices that we all carry. But there's so many limitations. Telehealth really only made sense for those really uh, cognitive, um, you know, patient uh, presentations. And, and we still needed to be able to deliver humanity, touch the patient, collect labs, um, and, and really be the eyes and ears. And so MetaRive was born out of this idea is that we could be the eyes and ears of the provider, of the physician into the home. You know, whether it's collecting blood, assessing a blood pressure, or really just doing patient navigation and education, you needed that that human touch into the home. And that's what MetaRive is about. You know, we always connect back or we, we most frequently come back to a virtual provider, but our paramedics and EMTs are in the home providing that, that touch that, that you can't get with telehealth alone. So as you've sort of developed that and, and built it, particularly on the foundation of what, what I think was you know, everybody that was in that space goes, well, of course, all this stuff works. And, you know, even the patients, I think, arrived at this. We, yeah, I'll be frank, I'm, I'm a geek, but I don't know that I'd used a lot of telehealth to that point. It was sort of there. But, you know, no, I'll get I'll get in the car and drive and, you know, park up and do all of those things that you don't need to do. So you you saw this explosion. You saw this capacity but it didn't quite work as well as it ought to, right? There was some, it's that last, people talk inches, miles, whatever you want to call it, but it's that last element that I think you're really getting involved in. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, you know, we, we often call that uh, the last mile of healthcare. And so, you know, what we what we found was, is that, again, a lot of things that you can do over telehealth, but there's limitations to telehealth. And so by having paramedics and EMTs that are so familiar and, and frankly, so good at delivering care in a home or in, in some type of unusual environment, by sending them into the home and either facilitating the visit or doing the you know, procedure that, that you couldn't do over telehealth, the collection of blood or blood pressure, you really built not only the you know, upon the experience of the patient, um, but you were able to keep them out of the hospital. And then you know, it, there was this flywheel effect, right? And so if, if we could do this, could we, could we create and craft a longitudinal care program that was really aimed at high utilizers with chronic disease problems, um, and, and that's what we're doing now in many of our markets where, we're, where we've evolved 
to not just be the person that's drawing the blood or checking the blood pressure, but really delivering care in, into the home, connecting with the nurse practitioner or the physician when needed, but really allowing the paramedic and the EMT to power that care delivery, keep that patient um, out of the hospital when it's unnecessary and navigate them to the most appropriate while still doing the more episodic care delivery that we do, which is around things like HEDIS gap and quality programs where it's much more um, transactional, if you will. Mm. Once we're able to identify those patient populations, we're often um, able to impanel them in one of our longitudinal care program. So we're really, we're, it, this isn't just going in and holding an iPad and collecting blood but rather saying, let's meet our patients where they are. Right. So, uh, you, you know, this is all, I, I think, really important delivery and and actually the spreading of care into the community that, you know, we've struggled with, especially in rural. You, you know, you look at the concentrations of healthcare in, you know, cities and it, it, it's disproportionate and it's just inevitable. It's much harder to deliver some of this care in these rural communities. It sounds like MedArrive is starting to create the relationships that we have in, you know, our privilege of close, you know, higher density um, with these patients in those rural settings. So are you finding that, there, that there's, you're developing and building a, a sort of community almost in what is a very distributed environment? Yeah, exactly. You know, I think for any of us that have worked in healthcare for some time, whether we're on the business side or on the clinical side, you know, we, we take for granted the, the fact that we, we could have four or five nurses, five or six doctors that are, you know, in our cell phone that we can call when there's a rash or, or something comes up. But for the average American, for the average, um, you know, Medicaid beneficiary that we're, that we're providing care to, that's not the reality. But they often know the, the EMT or paramedic down the road or the nurse down the road. So we really are starting to create an ecosystem for these underserved areas, not just rural areas, but also, you know, in, in inner city um, mm. um, where, you know, uh, are they going to be able to pick up a phone and, and call the doctor? No, but they're going to be able to pick up the phone, call MedArrive, and we're going to connect them with an EMT or paramedic almost instantaneously. And then we're all, we also are backstopped by virtual providers that can, you know, help them, you know, stay out of the ER if, if it's, you know, just a simple laceration or something like that that needs to go to the urgent care. And so, again, I, I love that analogy. And, and that's truly what we're doing is creating this ecosystem, if you will, but we're embedding our, um, you know, providers into the communities, almost shoulder to shoulder, if you will, with the patients that they're serving. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the skill sets. How are you matching the skill sets, particularly for that last mile? So the virtual providers, you know, just push to one side the, the ridiculous notion that, you know, somebody that's in a different state can't deliver care, whatever. But, you know, you know you can deliver care virtually, I think relatively effectively with the qualifications. How are you helping um, place the right skill sets in those EMTs and those local providers to be able to deliver? Because it sounds like they're delivering some of that care. How's that going? Yeah, you know, uh, paramedics, very, very broad knowledge base, right? So able to deliver a baby, take care of a burn victim, uh, stabbing, and then a heart attack all in one shift. Um, in, a, in a very small environment and, and right. 
environment that they're not they're not used to. And one of the things that you know, when I was in college, I worked as an ER tech in a trauma center, and then I worked on the ambulance. I was always blown away by you know what a paramedic and EMT could do that that often took a team to do in in, in a facility, right? Mm. So. Um, however, a lot of that that knowledge base is it's much more in the built out of the context of emergent or an acute. Right. So yep. one of the things that we have to do is we do have to invest and we do um, invest in making sure that our, our providers really understand the why of the longitudinal care. For example, a paramedic can hang a bag of saline or hang an antibiotic. That's easy. But what we do have to train on, what we do have to develop in these people is an understanding for like social determinants of health. What is the actual cause of the patient going to mm. the hospital? And I'll be honest with you, most of the time, it's not clinical. Right. It, it has to do with not getting um, you know, access to, to, to proper food when they're a diabetic or not having transportation to their dialysis appointment. And so what we do is we put them through an education program depending on the program that we're running, that really builds that, that, that broader understanding of the community factors and the social factors that actually result in the rehospitalization. Mm. And by doing so, and by developing these care delivery models, we're able to show a significant decrease in the number of times these patients go to the hospital. Right. So I, I think, you know, an important aspect of this is not just the pushing out of the care, but also the skill set and improvement, the building of that resource that I think is essential. And importantly, I think, you know, something that U.S. healthcare doesn't do very well is um, uh, including all the things that actually really contribute to the health or wellness of patients, which, you know, we ignore. We say, no, here, have this tablet and, you know, have this procedure. But it's actually much more than that. And I think people in the community have a far better sense of that because you see it actually being in the home. It reminds me a lot of my experience, you know, in home visits, which we used to do as clinicians. Um, and I used to do a home visit with my mother every week on FaceTime as it was at the time. Um, that was my version because she lived in another country and, you know, I was over here. But it really was a home visit. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm her son, but I'm also a physician, can't help it. So fantastic news. For those of you just joining, I'm talking with uh, Luis Mendiola. He is a director of uh, provider partnerships at MedArrive. We were just talking about all of the experience and the pushing out of all of uh, the capabilities into the community. But You've got some really exciting new news around an area that, my God, it's just it, it, it's depressing to even say this. But we have declining um, uh, health care in the maternal space. We're seeing, you know, an increase in maternal complications, increase in uh, pregnancy complications and importantly, a decline in, you know, outcomes from the uh, neonatal natal uh, areas. And you're addressing that in, in a specific area. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, we are we are so excited uh, to recently announce a partnership with an in-home maternal and fetal medicine um, partner uh, called Uma Health, who's led by an incredible, um, you know, maternity care specialist, Sina Harry. Um, and really, this, this partnership was cultivated by our amazing CEO, Dan Trigub, here at, at uh, MetaRive, and really was about providing access to these inter uh, these very important and vital 
maternity care services, specialist level um, services, I should say, in underserved areas. Like, like you mentioned, um, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of maternity care deserts in our in our communities, and not just in the rural areas, but also in in more in, in growing number of, of urban areas and getting that high level or that quality care that that is, you know, backed by a specialist is, is very challenging. And through this partnership, we're able to power that care delivery into the home. And so, you know, I, I, I you know, I, some of the viewers or, or audience listeners may be saying, wait, are you guys delivering babies? No, that's not what we're doing, but we're going in and we're helping those virtual providers on the other end, the OBGYNs, the maternal and fetal medicine specialists, do assessments into the home so that these individuals aren't facing a two and a half, three, four hour drive, um, you know, into to a specialist at a tertiary care center. And so really excited about this, this partnership of being able to go into the home, um, do some, some assessments, connect with the team at UMA Health uh, to really drive improvements and really, you know, create a solution for these maternity care deserts. So uh, for, for the benefit of the listeners, I think it's important to sort of understand some components to this. And, you know, for, for many of us, we're lucky if, you know, you've gone through the process. And to be clear, this is a man talking. I, I haven't gone through the process of having a baby. I've just been the supporting act in this uh, instance. But, you know, have a pretty close association for a variety of reasons. And pregnancy, it, it's it, you're essentially building another human and that puts an enormous strain on um, mothers and you know their bodies and the requirements and it requires an awful lot of support to actually do well most people are lucky they have that but those in rural communities you know and all of the things that we talked about before tell us about some of the things that are happening and you know how that's working for that you know, individual experience, because as you said, you're now the eyes and ears of those uh, extended providers to be able to provide some of that support. Yeah, as the, the clinical listeners, um, you know, will understand is, is that there can be some very subtle and simple indications of problems for, for a mother and for a child. Uh, that she's bearing and, and for instance like blood pressure you know an elevated blood pressure can can um, you know be a sign of something a much much a much larger problem that needs to be, to be dealt with um, at the specialist level and so you know obviously that's just one of the things that we can go into the home we can assess we can report back to the um, the specialist on the other end via the, the the virtual health and then these individuals can continue to have access to the UMA health providers even when we're not in the home so maybe there's a decreased movement of of, of the, the the child uh they can report that um you know to UMA directly and, and really have somebody within a matter of, of minutes you know following up on the phone with them getting more information and triaging you know how best to to deal with that clinical presentation, if you will. Um, you know, other things that we can do is just education. And a lot of the a lot of the people that we're serving are in, you know, these underserved areas where, you know, especially if they're a first-time parent, there's not educational programs, and we can navigate them um, into programs or resources that are available. One of the things that we're different, um, and people often call us concierge care or very, you know, similar to concierge care. I'm just going to say concierge care for the rest of us. Exactly. No, exactly. And, and and if you look at the numbers, um, I believe over half of the the babies that will be born 
um, you know, in the next decade will will be Medicaid beneficiaries. And that's who we're working with. We're working with those MCOs, partnering with the MCOs, partnering with the UMA's Health to really understand the, the benefits and the resources that these mothers can have access to. And so, you know, it's, it's not just um, about, you know, an ultrasound or a blood pressure check or something like that, but really it's, it's care across the continuum for these new um, and expecting mothers. Yeah. And again, for context, I think it's important to understand, uh, you know, and, and for the listeners out there, if, you, if you're good and you measure your blood pressure on a regular basis, which you should be doing, let's be clear, and you have a blood pressure cuff and an automated cuff, I challenge you uh, to actually measure that and I can show you easy demonstration. Have your arm actually at a higher level and then put your arm down and see the difference in the measurement. And that's one of the things that clinicians bring to this experience. And I think, you know, it, it sounds simple. Oh, just measure the blood pressure. You can send out a blood pressure. It's not as simple as that. And, you know, particularly in health literacy and capabilities, and even in the case of uh, translation with, you know, different languages, I think there's some capabilities that are, are going on there. So I think, you know, all of this is exciting. This is a relatively new announcement. Have you already had some experiences with this? Is this being rolled out? You know, can you tell us any stories about that? Yeah, you know, we're we're in the implementation um, kind of phase right now, and so unfortunately, I don't have like you know a great success story that I can share today. The the announcement I think went out earlier this week, and and we're really looking forward to our first impanelment patients and, and partnering with a number of different pairs on this. Um, but, you know, I actually had the, I actually worked with Dr. Harry at Bozeman Health in Bozeman, Montana, and, and the man is, is just a fire starter, if you will, like everything he does, there's a level of excitement, there's a level of understanding, and there's always a focus on quality. And I think that that's, that's something that, that we're so lucky to kind of bring into the fold here um, at MetaRive and really looking for continued success in this program as, as we continue to roll it out. So as you think about the future, you know, at the early stage of this, obviously, you've got lots of experience in, um, you know, delivering both personal, um, you know, clearly with your background and also through, you know, this innovation that sort of takes this, expands the capabilities. Tell us where you see this going. I mean, we have enormous problems in our healthcare system. And I, I, I don't know, I, I've never really thought about what the percentage is, but it feels like an enormous part of the percentage of our challenges is in that final mile. It feels like this is really critical to to our future. So, so you know, really quickly, I, th I think that, you know, first of all, there's going to be inherent cost savings to the payers, to the consumers or the patients, which is which is really important for us. Um, you know, as as a country, as a company, and as anybody who really you know cares about healthcare delivery, and we're able to, um, you know, see patients, provide a quality experience, and deliver better outcomes when it's one on one. Give the patient more time, more understanding to really take um, hold of their their overall wellness and, and health status. And so, by doing that face to face in their home, understanding what they're up against, that's really important. Number two, quality. I think that by getting a bigger picture um, of what's going on in the home, understanding that the, that the diabetic thinks that orange juice um, is a good idea and, and, and being able to actually see what's in the refrigerator, what's in the cupboards, 
um, asking the patient, uh, what, what's all the candy for? Oh, that's for my, my, my brother that likes to come over and his kids. Well, when was the last time they were here? Oh, two years ago. <laughs> red flags, addressing those red flags, talking about that, meeting the patient where they're at, where they're at, um, is, is, is so, so key. And then, you know, really understanding how our modern healthcare system is evolving and, and not forgetting the folks that are all often disenfranchised uh, from our society and from our healthcare system. So whether it's a Medicaid beneficiary, it's the single mother, um, or you know, it's the elderly uh, rancher in a rural community that just doesn't understand how to use telehealth or access it, but meeting them where they're at. And I really think that those three things, uh, being able to deliver care more efficiently and more cost-effectively by doing it at a, at a high quality and, and doing it in a manner that, that really resonates with a diverse patient population, is key. And, and that's really what I think MetaRide has the ability to do with a provider network that is entrenched and understands the patients, understands the community, and is quite frankly, I think the best at delivering and parenting care into the home, paramedics and peace. So I, I I would say exciting times. I think a real solution that you know has obviously been developed. Um, it, it's interesting to hear someone called a fire starter. I've not heard that term, but I like it. You know, they start the uh, the whole process, keep things going, um, and importantly, you know, it, it's just a it, it really. It hurts me greatly to even talk about this decline in maternal health, decline in outcomes for babies. And, you know, you brought up the statistic with, you know, over 50% coming in in that, you know, subgroup or subcategory that is even worse when you sort of separate it out. But here's a solution, here's an opportunity and indeed a partnership. So um, definitely exciting times. I'm looking forward to seeing what's happening and, you know, look forward to an update. Unfortunately, as we do each and every week, we've run out of time. So it just remains for me to uh, thank you for joining me on the show. Lewis, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the time uh, that you put into this um, and, and really exciting for, for what's ahead of uh, MetaRive and all of our, our partners. Uh, looking forward to connecting in, in the future with more exciting news. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today. Do you have any better ideas or have you found a small incremental change that's brought about a big improvement in your world? Let's continue the conversation on our hashtag, The Incrementalist, or share with me at DrNick1 on Twitter. You can find more information about the show on our program page at healthcarenowradio.com. And tune in next time to hear my discussions with leaders and innovators from around the globe who've revolutionized their space by using small incremental improvements to achieve their moonshot. I'm Dr. Nick, the incrementalist, and I'm starting a revolution through evolution. <laughs> <laughs>